We are six women. We are wordsmiths. We are magic. We are curious. We are contradictions. We are wanderers. We are people of many names. We are mind trekkers and story weavers. We are adventurous spirits. We continue to grow. We've been baptized in the font of dream and memory. We are partly truth and partly fiction. I am Gail. I am Joanne. I am Margie. I am Katie. I am Marion. I am Mary. We are the Mystic Order of East Alabama Fiction Writers. Welcome to the Mystic Podcast. I'm Mystic Marion, hosting this week, where the mystics are going to read from our own work. But first, we're going to talk about some other things. I'm Mystic Margie, by the way. I'm Mystic Joanne. I'm the Queen. I'm Mystic Mary. And we're missing Mystic Katie today. Mystic Katie's writing a book. Mystic Katie's writing a book, and her chair looks awfully lonely here among the mystics. It sure does. We could put a doll in that chair and just address the chair. Well, Margie and I both have mannequins. We do. Yeah. Why didn't you bring a mannequin, Margie? Oh, I left the three at home. But <laughs> <laughs> Have you named those mannequins? Yes. Violet, Iris, and Tiger Lily. Ooh, flower names. Ooh, so lovely. For now. I have three mannequins, too. What are their names? Diana Perdita, and I have not named the two men, the two, the boy and the older boy. What, yet. they don't deserve names? I just haven't figured out who they are yet. I see. Did anybody among the mystics who are gathered here around Mystic Gail's table today have a week that was mystic? Joanne, for example? I did. I have a wonderful sister-in-law. It's my husband's only sister and actually now his only close relative. And she is a traveler. And she came to visit with us. And when I say she's a traveler, she goes to England at least once a year. Then when she goes, it's not just to be a tourist. She's walked across Ireland. She's walked across England. And she's going to Scotland to do the same thing in August, I believe. But she came to visit and we had a wonderful time. And I'll speak more about the the things that we did but we just she's a dog lover Um, my dog loves her dog and that was wonderful as we dog sat my son's dog a couple of weeks ago and my old dog went into almost a conniption because that young comeuppance was just all in her face (laughs) that move in and quipper joanne's quipper is going to be 15 years old wow on march 17 is her birthday he's the reincarnation of my dog euripides that's right exactly sweet dog well joanne just stole half of my mystic week (laughs) but i guess she had she had dibs on her own sister i was gonna say and you know linda has she is she's a part of a lot of people's lives. She's going to visit Dr. DiOrio today. I had to leave her, but we just had, like I said, a grand time. Strangely enough, my Mystic Week involved a sister-in-law as well. I was home by myself. My husband was at the grocery store, and I'm sitting in the addition part of the house, which is lower than the rest of the part of the house, and I heard distinctly my sister-in-law, who is in Asheville and lives there, say, I cannot believe it. I've been in this house 11 years, and I've just now seen a bluebird. So 
I thought, I'm losing my straight mind. But <laughs> I walked through the house and there was no one there. Our landlines never work because they're so old. We still have them for some crazy reason. But anyway, Bob's phone wasn't there, and I decided that my voice, uh, Alexa. Alexa, was talking to me as if she were a person. <laughs> what? <laughs> so when, when my husband got home, I repeated this story to him, and he said, you know, she said that exact thing to me on the telephone when I answered it. Somehow... When did Bob answer he, the phone? That he this was occurred? at the grocery store and he answered the phone. And the sister-in-law said, well, what had happened was she had called here first and left a message. And the machine only picked up that one sentence. Wow. Oh, my god! And gosh. it was repeating it out loud. I thought the spirits were speaking to me. And, Gail, that's <laughs> happening too often. I think I'd pay it's attention. no telling what going to do. <laughs> Mildly creepy. There's some stories about Alexa... Um, you know, solving crimes that have been committed in houses and whatnot. So be careful, Gail. Well, I haven't committed too many <laughs> crimes. I haven't murdered anybody. <laughs> Alexa might get yeah. out of that box. <laughs> I know. I was scared of Alexa. Mary. Oh, I had a mystic week. Well, yeah, it's pretty mystic. So y'all know I have a little business called Little Green Learning. And, um, and it's great. And it's fun. All I really do, it's the name of my business because I do a lot of teaching through this platform, but I also try to do other things. Mystically, somebody got in touch with me about some television stuff, and I am going to write my first TV script for kids' science Thing. And I'm not going to tell you who it is till it's done. Oh, but anyway, out I of hope it's the Sesame city. Street. Wonderful. It's yeah, it's kind of fun. I had a long chat with this guy this morning, and um, I've been doing some a couple of reviews of his scripts, and so it's decided that I'm going to try my hand at it. So I think you'll be great. I do too. Because those little green learning and you people out there that still have children, we don't have children anymore because we've aged out. But um, we're gathering. Them, that's though. a nice way to say it. We've <laughs> aged out. But as we age out with our own but, children, we get grandbabies. But I highly recommend. Is it just Green Learning or Little Green? Learning. Little Green Learning. Little Green, named after uh, Joni Mitchell's song "Little Green," where she didn't know what to name her little kid. So uh. Little Green. Anyway, that's my mystic. That's my pretty mystic, mystic. week. I'd rather make a TV show than listen to my sister-in-law talk about a bluebird. <laughs> Mystically. <laughs> well, the mystics, in addition to being writers, are also great readers with the exception of me, who read, <laughs> who read student papers for so many years that now I would rather watch movies. But um, I'd like to hear what the mystics are reading. Does anybody have a mystic opus they'd like to talk about? Well, I've been, I have a bunch of audible credits, so I've been listening to a lot. And the last thing, well, I listened to the plot, which was very good. And then I listened to Who is Maud Dixon by Alexandra Andrews. And that was quite good. And I highly recommend that. I also listened to Double Blind by Edward St. Aubin. And I really got into it, and then all at once it just ended. It was like, what? <laughs> That's the second blind. <laughs> it was a double blind, like, oh, no. Was That's, it read by your sister-in-law? No, I listened to it because it was read by uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh. Yeah. So that's why I listened to it to hear him. How does one get audible credits? I 
just I, I'm on uh, Amazon Prime and I have I've never used them and they say you need to use these and I went like okay well I will so yeah. I don't have to pay for them I, I have them uh, no you don't have to pay for them if you have the credits right? yeah yeah no uh-uh. so I yeah. had like 10 so. I have I have them too but I can't think of a single time in my life where I could, I mean, Tai Chi is not a good place to listen to a book. No. <laughs> I have Audible credits, too. I just haven't figured out how to use it because I don't belong to, I don't subscribe to Audible. And I yeah. like I like to listen to books being read. I, I got the app, you know, so mm-hmm. I can, and I listen to it when I'm painting. Because mm-hmm. I can paint. And, They're cool. It's or cool walking. To listen to things. I listen to podcasts while I cook. You know, if I'm peeling potatoes or chopping vegetables or something like that, I like to listen to something. It makes it go quicker. Think. My son dissed me on his on his um, podcast this week. They were laughing at me, in fact, oh, <clears throat> over my you. adult bibs. <laughs> <laughs> and don't y'all laugh. I made him promise because he hurt my feelings that when he came home, we'd do a TikTok on how to make an adult bib. And I'm thinking of copying copywriting it. I'm I'm gonna I can't talk write. later about the TikTok that my granddaughter made of me. <laughs> <laughs> hey Margie, before we leave you, what was the first what what, what kind of book was the first one? With the title and then is the it plot. like a mystery or yeah, is it it's it's about another. a writer and a uh, every it's, writer. no not the plot the, oh. the who was oh who who was who is Maud Dixon yeah yeah it is also about an aspiring writer and a uh, and a writer named Maud Dixon who no one knows their who they are is it fiction is it duchess it, Maud Dixon no no it, it is <laughs> fiction it it's is suspense it's yeah oh, okay that it, sounds mystery good and suspense. mystery every, and suspense every single person that's ever had to edit or grade a paper or really even write needs to read the plot every single person on the list mm-hmm. but that who is Maud Dixon is also a, it it's did you read you it told okay. me the entire story oh, oh. yes that's right <laughs> <laughs> Do not go any further, Margie. Okay, I just was wondering, like, what kind like of book it. it was. Yeah, she does that in book club. She, and the thing about it that made it so great was she told me the first half of it before she had finished it. So I was on tender hook <laughs> to find out the end. And so the next day, she called me and said, I finished. Who is my Dixon? And I said, What happened? So you don't kind of like us, a, Don't tell. You us. have a custom audio book. Yeah, kind yeah, of abridged. Right. Okay, Margie walks every day, and I think she walks twenty miles every day. So <laughs> during that time, if she's not listening to Audible, she's telling us about what she listens. Yeah, to we, I always look forward to that little <laughs> phone call it, on the great wall. Telephone call. She dropped by my house, and we did a few minutes of Tai Chi before she carried on. <laughs> some people stop to go to the bathroom on the door and Margie goes want to do some Tai Chi <laughs> yes Margie is a wonder <laughs> uh, uh. Joanne you're holding the mic you uh, have, would you like to contribute I have been reading and it's not a, a relatively new book but I thought I would I'm in, a, I'm in a kind of a book club and it is a suspense kind of book, but not really. It's called Gods in Alabama and by Jocelyn Jackson. I read that. And I mean, she's the kind of person that I would like to be friends with. She says that her her writing is weird fiction with a shot of Southern Gothic influence for smart people who can catch the nuances, but who like narrative drive and who have a sense of humor but who are willing to go down into dark places. Did you hear her speak at the Literacy Coalition? Yes, she, yes. She and was that's here. exactly why I got the book. When, yeah. when was that? 
well, was it four years ago? It had to be least. more than that because the last one they had was Pat Conroy's wife. I volunteered no. to sweep at that one, so I got to get in for free. The last By one sweeping? Went, yeah, I volunteered to help clean. Clean oh. up. Seriously. Yeah. The last and that's one how I, I got to go see her. was Mamie Pound, Mamie Willoughby Pound from Columbus, who filled in for Karen Spears Zacharias because Karen got snowbound in Oregon. And they found Mamie Pound. Karen recommended that they get. They found her at the pound. They found, Mamie Willoughby Pound. Karen recommended, and she drove over from Columbus. And that I do was, remember that. The one yeah. before that was. Um, her, what's her name? I'll think of it by the end of the podcast. So, but anyway, it's really it starts off that this, um, and this is at the very first. So, that this woman has promised never to go back home. She lives in Posset, Alabama never to lie, and not to have sex outside of marriage. Those are the three promises she makes God, if God will keep a, a promise about keeping a murder secret. I love that book. And if I remember correctly, it's been years since I've read it. I've read about 100 of her books. I think she's so yes. much fun. She is fun. But the opening line, and I don't remember the opening line, but I remember being swept away by it. I so, think I read good book. that book for that publication Jay used to edit. Back when Jay worked on campus, worked at Pebble Hill, she would get me from time to time to review a book. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the name. It was a liberal arts publication. And I'm pretty sure that's one of the books I reviewed for that publication years ago. Well, it's very possible. She's written about nine books, mm -hmm. More than nine. I don't know that there were. The she last spoke one is well. When she spoke at the Literacy Coalition... She, yeah. I, I remember enjoying... And we were talking about Jocelyn, Jocelyn Jackson. Jackson. Yes. I really enjoyed her. She'll have she like a ghost drop in. Uh -huh. And it's not even the, the book. It's just like casually there's this ghost that's one of the characters. Well, and yeah. it's just, you know, assumed that that's... Carolyn we're gonna Haynes has that. a ghost in all of her mysteries. Uh -huh. and, and the one that really got me of Carolyn Haynes, another, Al well, I think Jocelyn's a Georgia writer, isn't she? Yes, she is. Carolyn Haynes Georgia. is an Alabama writer. Where, where in Alabama does she live? She lives around the Mobile area, somewhere down in that area. But what, the one that really captivated me of hers, I had no idea. I wasn't expecting this. I was reading one of her books just for pleasure, and she, the character wakes up and goes downstairs one morning, and Kinky Friedman is sitting at the breakfast table <laughs> having coffee. I love it. And that won Marion over immediately. I believe it. Talk about a mystic moment. You know, uh, while we're talking about authors and while we're off the subject, I want to shout out to our dear friend Rita Grimsley Johnson, who just won the... Truman, was it the Truman Capote Award? Harper Lee. It was the Harper was it Lee. The it was the Truman, Truman Capote. Yeah, well, I thought it was in Monroeville last weekend. And one of the mystics went down and heard um, Rita wax and wane on being a writer and said it was quite great. great. Oh, so congratulations, Rita. Congratulations, Rita. And did anybody Go, Rita. record Rita waxing and waning? Because I would love to hear the recording. If probably. It's probably recorded. Probably. Yes. Uh, all the, all the people were there except us. So mm -hmm. so I'll <laughs> I'll see for you. How's Thank that? You. Thank I was you. clicking my pen madly over here, and Gail gave me a look. I did. <laughs> here, I'll let y'all hear it. <laughs> well, I think you were nervously clicking because probably you wanted to contribute the opus that you wanted to share. Oh, oh y'all, I can't really do too much contributing because you know this year I'm reading Proust, and it's going to take me all year. I've, I've read. And listen to several other small things, but 
I kind of wanted to switch and just mention, I know I'm singing to the choir, but the Goodreads app is something I cannot live without. And every single book that I read, I list it on Goodreads. And it's so helpful to me to remember what I've read. (laughs) You can even, you know, if you read it twice, you can list your new dates for it. So I use Goodreads to keep up with what I've read, but also to see what my friends are reading. And I find it to be one of the most useful tools, reading tools, that I have in my reading toolbox. <laughs> I, keep, <laughs> I keep my reading on Excel. I just If I have a good, not every book, just if I read a good book, I'll put it on Excel. And now it's, it won't fit on two pages of Excel. So I'm selling this, this list for oh. you out there. Oh, Gail. And... and, and um, you know, we'll come up with the price when you get in touch yeah. with me. I was going to say, and, you know, my joy is, like, to beg the queen, give me a reading list. I'll give you a reading list. <laughs> well, if she'd get on Goodreads, but I guess she's keeping it to herself. But there's so many good people on there. I mean, you can follow famous yeah, people but then you don't, and maybe regular people. Maybe list, like you enlisting everything, I only list, you know, the creme de la creme. Oh, no. I obsessively list. I have a list in two places of every book I read and every movie I watch. And then I have electronically a third place every book I read. I'm obsessed with keeping lists. Yeah, you know, I I think there's a drug for that, Mary. (laughs) I like my list. I'm happy with my list. Okay, here's my other shout out or my other whatever about reading. There's a Facebook group that I belong to called Friends and Fiction. And it has a lot of members, something like 67,000. But it is such a great place for book recommendations. It's a friendly, friendly group. People are chatty about books. I don't belong to a book club, but I love, you know, popping in on friends and fiction and seeing what folks are reading. And this is Facebook? It's a Facebook group, and it's wide open. Anybody can join. I've gotten rejected by Facebook groups before. That's because you were going on the dirty ones, Gail. I got (laughs) Between the sheets. What was it called? The bindings. Between the bindings. I thought it was a book. (laughs) I thought it was. (laughs) It was. I thought it was a book. (laughs) A book <laughs> between the sheets and with oh, And when they rejected me and they asked me how I'd gotten in touch with them or why, and I said, Well, I love to read. And, <laughs> and my son told me about No, no. He, no, he told you what no, you had done wrong. Yeah, no, I said, I love to read and um, I'm an author myself. And they wrote back, Do not get in touch with us ever again. <laughs> so. <laughs> I was so hurt, I called my techie son and said, I have been rejected by book readers <laughs> and it, between the bindings. And he says, I'll be, get back to you. No one's going to treat my mother like that. And he calls me back, and he's laughing so hysterically. He won't tell me why I've been rejected. <laughs> but, Fifty but Shades I, of Grey. But Gail. you know what? I can't believe they rejected me. I mean, what? You can't you can't tie people up and beat them with a whip if you're over, say, 60? It, the <laughs> sexy, their it's the reading. It was the reading part that got them. <laughs> but there's the sexy librarian. Isn't that a, um, whatever you call it? Does she things? wear black leather? The only thing is I'd have to borrow some black leather from <laughs> well, Marion, and it wouldn't fit. <laughs> yeah, Margie's got plenty of black leather. Well, if it's stretchy. Joanne probably has a whip. <laughs> I have a flagellum. Uh, oh my God! <laughs> like that's part. Of, <laughs> I've been teaching about protests. That's how a euglena gets around. <laughs> it's a flagellum. Hush your mouth. 
<laughs> Wait till you see Marshall my pseudopods. <laughs> you're going to have to deeply, deeply. Marion. You're going to have to deeply, me, deeply edit this. I'm not taking this stuff about the dirty protists out for anything. And this is why Marion takes public. Me, let me get my whip out and get these people back online. <laughs> This is why I teach public school. I'm no disciplinarian. (laughs) This is how my public school classroom would be if I taught. You would separate Gail and Mary quickly. Put Mary in the corner right now. Let's go to the stamp of excellence. Well, no, because I never got to talk about my opus. (laughs) Y'all went, y'all got down and nasty before I ever got to talk about my my, Uh, my opus. My opus is a film. It's not a book. It's a film and it's not nasty. It's called Woodland Dark and Days Bewitched, A History of Folk Horror. And Wait, what's the first word? Woodland, Woodland Dark and Days Bewitched. And it has clips from over 200 folk horror films and interviews with 50, more than 50 filmmakers, authors, and scholars. And it explores the rural roots and cultural lore of horror. Did you write this? Sounds like it. Did I? No, Did I didn't. Write the no, I stumbled upon it. Well, Is this John a David, documentary? Yes, John David stumbled upon it. We watched it, I believe, on Hulu, and then I promptly ordered myself a copy because, of course, it's something you want to own. Um, <laughs> and the score is also excellent. Is it spooky? And I'm wondering why you didn't give it the stamp of excellence. Because I have something else for the oh, stamp I of see. excellence. Okay, well, we've arrived there, have we not? Well, we have. So let's hear, Gail, since you are speaking right now, what are you giving the stamp of excellence to? Well, I wanted my stamp of excellence to be for a woman because it's March's Women's mm-hmm. History Month. I don't know if this would qualify on uh, PBS. But my stamp of excellence going to Dear Abby for the following comment. Someone wrote Dear Abby and said, My husband of more than 20 years has taken to hiding decorative accessories that he doesn't like. (laughs) (laughs) An example, a designer bowl set packaged in a box suddenly disappeared from the cupboard. The plug-in air freshener in my home office also went missing. A lamp I moved from the living room to the foyer appeared on my bookcase two hours later. My complaints fall on deaf ears. His favorite coffee mug and iPad are just about to mysteriously vanish. Can you talk some sense into him? Signed, Hide and Seek in Georgia. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And what did dear Abby say? And Abby said? Is this recent behavior? Or has your husband been hiding things all during your marriage? If it's recent, your husband may need a medical check. (laughs) (laughs) Go, girl. (laughs) Um, Because what you're describing can be a symptom. (laughs) Gail can't read. She's laughing so hard. A symptom of dementia. (laughs) (laughs) And if he's been doing this through your whole marriage, you may need a medical check. Yes. Yes. Your baby. Hysterical laughing? Would that be acceptable? Is he mentally fit? You two need to work on sharpening your communication skills and perhaps agree that before any more items are brought into the home, you two must know how to share them. <laughs> she can be harsh. Yeah, oh, she's so good. Harsh. She is so good. So harsh. And her mother, you know, she's just a, a continuation of her mother. So when uh, women in history, we'll just check 
the blank of all dear Abby's. <laughs> good dear Abby. I have a stamp. Oh, good. Let's good. see. Uh, it's it's not. There are great women in this, but it's Nightmare Alley on HBO. Have y'all watched that? I have it on my watch list. Oh my God, Marion! It's about a 1930 circus. Uh huh. Very film noir. That's my tonight's uh, view. Ooh, and in it, good. starring women, Kate Blanchett and also Mara Rooney, who you know who is in. Yeah. Uh, and then I forget the guy star who, who you will all know, but I can't remember. Night but, what? A nightmare alley. Is the director Del Toro? Yes. 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 Guillermo Del Toro is one of his movies. We actually just watched it, and then we also watched the old version. Oh, which. I liked the new one better. Is it That's on HBO? unusual. I usually like the old it's better. On Hulu. Hulu. Oh, I got. We had it on HBO. I think I HBO well, on, Max or well, something. It's on Hulu as well. Okay. While we're discussing what it's on, Gail um, introduced me to an app called Just Watch, and so we don't need to tell all y'all where what everything is on. If you have the app called Just Watch, you plug in the title of your movie and it'll tell you all the different places that you can see it so where it's free it's, and it's free if it's fr- no i mean they'll oh. tell you where it's free if it right if, if the streaming <clears throat> is free yeah and how much it costs on each different plot platform mary do you have a stamp of excellence i do it doesn't have anything to do with a woman except a woman wrote an article about tp joe our precious young man who lives in our yard in the teepee <laughs> and we're not strange <laughs> uh-uh. and it's in garden and gun and i'm so proud that it's he's made an appearance yes. yes ma'am it's in garden and gun oh my and goodness it's about his work with the black warrior water dog a little amphibian that is precious to well it's precious to me only lives in the black warrior river over there in west alabama what and, kind uh, of amphibian is it? It's a salamander. It's a, it's a neotenic salamander, so it stays under the water, and it has those crazy gills like our extremely popular axolotl, but um, this one is our Alabama salamander. Extremely popular what? Axolotl. That's another <laughs> amazing salamander that <laughs> yes, I, know. I spend a lot of time with. <laughs> anyway, so, but I want to add that um, there is an, uh, an act, the Recovering America's Wildlife Act, which was just reintroduced recently and has uh, is awaiting the votes. And all of you can go find your representatives and oh, yeah, ask like them to support vote, right? Recovering America's Wildlife Act, which will <clears throat> help T.P. Joe keep a job and also Why help our critters. Why was it so hard for him to find these Water, whatever, water diggers, water doggers. They're this is only extremely endangered. There's yeah. just very few left they in the world. Su- they suspect that there's only a thousand of them, perhaps. Oh, less. Less than that. Water dogging. Water dogs. Going water dogging. And water dog is kind of a generic term for these um, juvenile forms of different salamanders, but this specific one is the black warrior water dog. I thought water dogging is when you were a teenager and some guy was chasing you in Lake Martin. Same yeah, when, when we would see dogs <laughs> breeding in the yard, we used to spray the hose on them. I think we call that water dogging. <laughs> I wish people would start Mary, doing that on humans breeding, because we could sure <laughs> save a lot of water dogs if there were fewer humans. <laughs> now, now. <laughs> yeah, you're right, though. Well, you'd um, have to call the fire department to get enough pressure. Right, right. you would. Yeah. <laughs> um, tell us the name of the act again, Mary. America's Recovering America's Wildlife Act. And you can read about T.P. Joe and the Black Warrior Water Dog in March 
March's version, whatever, March's edition of Garden and Gun. I don't know if it's in the print one or not. I don't know if it, you know, some magazines have a print issue and then they also have their online things. So this came out online yesterday. I don't know if it's in the print or not. But shout out. Go TP Joe and your work. That's great. And also some other people. He's not the only one. I'd like to give a stamp of excellence today, and it's to the people of Ukraine who are not leaving their pets behind. Yeah, I know. That is the most wonderful, that, that is the the bright side of a very dark mm-hmm. moment in history is seeing these people who do not leave their animals Carrying behind. their large right. senior right. dogs right. on their shoulders. These are people I want to live among. Mm-hmm. So. Well, they need housing, and you've got an upstairs. So well, they're welcome if they bring if they if they need a place <coughs> to go with their dogs. I have seen some. I haven't checked them out to see if they're real, but I've seen crossing my social media some places where you can donate just specifically to helping the animals. If that's yeah. if that's your thing. Well, that brings us, I believe. Well, wait a minute, though. I'm, I'm, um, has everybody that had a moment of ex- a stamp of excellence gotten to stamp it? Yeah, stamp, stamp, stamp. We're to travel. Yeah, Marky wants to talk a little bit about the Mystic Sea. Well, I thought that meant what we had seen. And <laughs> no, Margie, it did not. <laughs> and you have been educated in this <laughs> for a long time. Three years. It's S E A. <laughs> I thought it was Mystic C and be seen. <laughs> it plainly says C, S E A, and no, turn off her microphone. <laughs> what, did, what have you I seen mean, lately, Margie? I'm, I'm going to pass. I think oh, tell he, us about what I, you saw. I think the Mystic Moment might be the time for that. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Margie, you, t- you tell us what and you want to tell us. I think what you write under the Mystic <laughs> Moment might be what you're reading. <laughs> Margie, it, I, I just, in her defense, Margie is an artist, and she's working primarily out of the right side of her brain, I think. <laughs> so, you be, uh, Gail, you be nice to Margie. I'm trying she is, to be. I'm she explaining. Is going to, <laughs> she, she is going to be painting the mystic portraits. Oh, I know. And you. Instead of wings, I'll get horns. <laughs> I think she should paint us all with pseudopods and flagella myself. Don't you give me a flagella. <laughs> Not to worry. <laughs> okay. Well, there's some mystic bites. Anybody? Yes. Yes, and yes. And B-I-T-E-S. It's so uninteresting that I hate to mention it. <laughs> but... um. I have been working on, by myself, obviously, senior cooking, where you don't have to go to a lot of trouble. We invited company over last Sunday, and all the yellow pollen in Alabama that could possibly be flying was, and I was way too sick to have them, so I had to uninvite them. I've never done that before. Just call them up and say, I'm flat on my back dead from the pollen. Please come Wednesday. So I thought we ought to do something fancy, but it's hard to do something fancy with three ingredients, but I figured it out. I bought Let's puff hear. pastry and alouette cheese ah. and chicken. Um, and I uh, and it was boneless, skinless chicken. And I put the alouette cheese, I, I rolled out the pastry and cut it in circles. I put the alouette cheese on each circle, stuck chicken in it, closed it with water, put egg, o- um, egg over it so it turned gold and baked it in the oven. That's four. And it was delicious and really really impressive 
Three That's pretty good. Chicken Wellington. And you could do it without the chicken. Did you? Oh, really? I mean, I guess. I'm assuming if you... You could put spinach in there. Yeah. yeah. Could, could you, basil. Did you? Oh, sorry. Did you cook the chicken first? No. No. Just just checking. I didn't get one of those fat chickens that they've, you know, <coughs> shot with nuclear waste or something, you know, and I got, I got a skinny walk around the yard chicken. <laughs> They're hard to find. Not in Cary Woods. They're walking <laughs> around the place all over here. I know it. Those yard are turkeys. Those are turkeys. There's, there's chickens. Yeah, there are chickens. One They're in those, cages. One though. of those meat companies used to package white meat of chicken fully cooked. And I used to, when I used to eat chicken, we used to have chicken pot pie every Thursday night while we watched Buffy. This was John David and me when he was in elementary school. And it was that chicken... Mm. And something like Pioneer Mix or Bisquick Mix yeah. and, and frozen veg all. Yum. And a can of maybe. Uh-oh, four ingredients. Maybe. maybe <laughs> cream of something. Cream of something. Celery. Soup thrown in I don't there. think it matters. Yeah. 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 Oh, that sounds yeah. delicious. <laughs> it was a beautiful <laughs> comfort food to sit in the floor and eat while watching Buffy Slay uh-huh. Vampires. That's still a comfort food for us. Yeah. Well, you know, um, years ago, whenever any Southern women's group would put together a cookbook, it always had cream of mushroom soup in there and also Cool Whip. Those were not in the same recipe, but those were the two ingredients. If it wasn't in your recipe, you weren't accepted for the cookbook. And mayonnaise. Yeah. Mayonnaise. A jar of cream and chicken. Yeah. Uh-huh. Any, any of the Campbell's cream of soups yeah. were mm-hmm. mandatory. Okay, well, that was my little bu- puff pastry bite. And I butted in and gave a mystic bite, and I wasn't signed no, up. No, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you go crazy with your mystic That's right, bites. you go crazy. Um, I'm back to my sister-in-law, and we cooked the whole time she was here. If we weren't walking, we were cooking. And she decided that she wanted to recook some of the things that we had in Austria. So we made Kasnachen which you guys know as Spatzel. Yeah, that's, yeah, Spatzel. Spatzel. <laughs> I cook that all the time. I have no idea what that is. Spatzel is, it's the equivalent of an Austrian mac and cheese, but you make a dough and then you, you force it through like a sieve with rather large holes and into water and you make um, these little tiny dumplings and then you put in lots of cheese, and we finished it off with the, uh, I guess this is a three. This is a three. Uh, with wild mushrooms. No, we didn't. We, we could have put mushrooms, but we finished it off with, um, what is it, French's fried onion rings. And oh, there you go. <laughs> That's <laughs> perfect. And we showed my that son. Sounds delicious. Who is in Austria, and he's, he just like. You could see him salivating through the phone. He goes, oh, my God. He goes, I wish we could find those things in Austria. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we know what we're going to bring him. But we also made grisnodel, which is potato dumplings. I don't know how to describe it. But you wrap a potato dough around bacon. There you go. <laughs> What's not to love? Potatoes and bacon. And you simmer them in, um, in water. So we were... The dumpling is covered by bacon, and you drop it in hot water. No, the dumpling dumpling has bacon in the center of it. It has a, and I made it with bacon and mushroom and a little cheese and onion. And then I, you, I had a dumpling this week from the Irritable Bow. 
because the students are out of town. I figured the line wouldn't be all the way to Tumor's Corner. Yeah, was it good? It was quite good. And I said to the owner who was opening the door, I went early because I didn't want to stand in a long line of COVID-infested students. I said to the owner, I'm new, could you help me? And he just stood with me and talked about the whole menu and it was really fun. But I ordered three treasures, which are like sticky pots. Yum. And there were two choices of dumplings that day. And one was that spicy chicken people make. I've forgotten the name of it, but I'm not spicy. So I got the the one with um, some kind of pastrami in it. It was good. I'd rather have a vegetable one, but they didn't have one. That's the Irritable Bow in downtown Auburn, Alabama. And if you think it's something, because the first time I heard the name of it, I thought, oh, my God, what am I going to, you know, this is really going to be ir- irritable. <laughs> but it is B-A-O, a bow, it being a, a dumpling, dumpling, a Korean right. dumpling. <laughs> Are the mystics prepared to read from our own work? Being writers and all. <clears throat> well, I, I certainly am. but I think we are. Well, let's... Let's let Gail lead the pack. Tell us what you're reading. and I am reading a story called Missing Notes. Was this story written for a specific purpose? Yes. The Mystics, when we meet on our Wednesday, the Mystics bring a new work, and we're writing stages of our lives. So it has to fit into a stage of your life, and this fits in several stages of my life, and it's going to be our next book. But this is called Missing Notes. I must have been eight or nine years old when I was introduced to piano lessons by my sober instructor, Mrs. Andrews. I assumed I tortured Mrs. Andrews for several months as she sat rigid against a battery of missed notes. Not far into my musical education, my lessons were abruptly terminated by my instructor, who alerted my mother to my tuneful inadequacies. In her quiet yet somehow stern voice, Mrs. Andrews delivered the cruel hammer with this message. Most of my students have a modicum of talent for the piano. This is not the case here. (laughs) Perhaps you might like to save your money. Consequently, at an early age, my visions of Carnegie Hall were incontestably stifled. I had not even conquered chopsticks from John Thompson's first grade book, much less spinning song, a recital favorite of the more talented. I was abruptly whisked away into the fate of the tone deaf. And here's a footnote. I actually never heard of Carnegie Hall at the time, (laughs) but if I had, I now realize that I would have never made that stage, and not as a pianist anyway. Had fame eluded me, maybe I could be a movie star and hang out with Sal Mineo and Tab Hunter. Through the years, my brush with music continued on a declining path. Miss Bright, my elementary school uh, music teacher, demoted me to playing the lone triangle in a flipple flute recorder class. The other (laughs) children continued on flouting away to row, row, row your boat while I could tap the triangle at the first and only the first merrily. Musically, I was way down the stream from the rest of the class. (laughs) In college, I took up the guitar in order to play the Kingston Trio and Joan Baez songs. My hip college friends would suddenly recall a next day exam in order to make a stealthy exit during my earnest performance of The Answer My Friend is Blowing in the Wind. 
I was tapping on the door of my musically deficient seventh decade <clears throat> when a thought struck me. Mrs. Andrews was right. Um, my, any music ability was left out of my double helix. But on my twisted genetic ladder, in an overabundance is stick-to-itiveness, tenacity, orneriness, and a double-gene helping of obstinance. Thinking about it, I'm probably a prodigy in mule-headed stubbornness. <laughs> Surely these sterling qualities can substitute for God-given talent on a keyboard skill. Perhaps I could learn a musical instrument by sheer willpower, so I encouraged the long-suffering husband to buy a keyboard for my Christmas gift. My selection was a Yamaha that could most likely launch the space station. <laughs> the machine came with a 30-page instruction book as well as an abundance of function, function buttons. Push one and an entire orchestra will accompany you to Are You Sleeping Brother John? Ding, dong, ding. <laughs> All of these at-hand accessories I largely ignored while shades of Ms. Andrews' annoyance danced in my head. I dove right into learning the elementary songs that I'd mostly ignored in my first piano book, Happy Birthday, Ode to Joy, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, and For Elise. Encouraged by these simple arrangements, I moved on to the more difficult Do Lord, Oh Do Lord, Oh Do Remember Me. I found this to be above my newfound skill. Certainly if I played the notes over and over and over, I would learn this song, I surmised. At one point, I paused in my stick to of pounding all the wrong notes to notice through the window the husband was sitting his, in his truck, possibly enjoying a brew. And it was early morning. Did I detect cotton in his ears? I've shared my woeful, untalented story with friends, and as it turns out, many of them had similar experiences. The most striking of these recount, recounts came from a fellow writer. As she sat playing scales and struggling through on top of old Smokey, her piano teacher was in the next room cooking supper. In order to earn her pay, the apron-clad tutor would occasionally lean through the door with her wooden spoon as a baton and count, and a one and a two. <laughs> I had a visit from my friend Anne, who is an accomplished pianist, and I recounted my Mrs. Andrews story of woe and exclaimed how I'd overcome my reluctance to become skillful on the black and whites. Also, I confided, confided that I thought my husband was going to divorce me over do lordy. <laughs> Why don't you buy some earphones, my friend inquired. Earphones, I explained. Earphones? There were no earphones in the box. Well, perhaps Yamaha was not planning on do lordy, Anne replied. <laughs> <laughs> you can buy a set and plug them right into the back of the keyboard. In an emergency effort of saving my declining marriage, I ordered the earphones immediately, splurging on one-day delivery. Consequently, I am happily banging away, and for all anyone knows, I'm playing symphonies. Seriously, although do Lordy remember me has not been attained, the marriage will go on and on, <laughs> along with my heart. <laughs> oh, gosh. Do Lordy. Do Lordy. Do I love it, Gail. I love it. Congratulations. Do. Thank you, thank you. <clears throat> on your writing and your playing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I need some, I need a leg up on the, on the playing. Well, I'm,
positive our listening audience. <laughs> Can't wait to hear the next mystic story. Anybody want to volunteer to read next? I will because I have the word leg up in my <laughs> And Gail just said leg up. Do you so want to say think, anything about your story before you start reading? Or? Um, no, I'll just start reading it. <clears throat> Let me wipe the tears of giggleness out of my Do eyes. Do Lordy out of your Do eyes. Do Lordy. I don't even know that song, but I have it stuck oh, in my Lordy. head. What's, what's that called when you get a cue from what somebody else said? Like a transition or something? A segue? A segue, yes. Yeah. Our segue was the leg up. This story is called The Miracle of Ramshackle Shack Wine. And here's the story. We needed to know if the bottles of wine out there in that old wooden shack were any good. Only one way to find out. We grabbed a bottle, hammered the cork in with a nail, and hopped back on the gator for a Sunday ride around. Husky cranked the beast. It lurched to a start, and we headed out to the pastures. Husky took a swig from the dusty bottle. Taste fine, damn it, he yelled. Janie took a swig. Taste damn good, she yelled. <laughs> I took a swig. Taste like wine, I yelled. Sarah took a swig. Gross, she yelled. Sarah, my 16-year-old daughter, had not yet developed a taste for years old, stored outside in a ramshackle shack wine of mysterious origins. We rode through the pasture and into the grove of planted pines. The sunshine streamed through the needles and rays and slants, lighting up the ground with dappled light. We slushed across a tiny creek, hollering over the loud, gasoline-powered vehicle. Sure is pretty out here, Husky yelled. What? I yelled from the back seat, leaning in. We need more wine, Janie yelled. Soon we were back at the shack, swapping an empty bottle for a full. Several bottles and a host of miracles later, we were too tippled to appreciate that we weren't stuck in a creek, down in a ditch, or hurtling headfirst into the pond. We continued our afternoon meander, safe and sound by the grace of God, and found ourselves up at the south end of the front pasture. A friendly horse leaned across the fence and watched us curiously, ears twitching back and forth, nostrils aflare, and bright eyes lit. I want to ride that horse, I yelled. Husky pulled up closer to the barbed wire fence and turned the gator off. The silence fell upon us like manna from heaven. Damn that gasoline engine. That's Skippy's horse, Husky yelled, not having adjusted for the lack of grinding gears. He gave it to his wife, but she's plumb scared of it. Isn't that something? Well, I'm not scared of it, I said, emboldened by years of experience with horses and possibly several bottles of ramshackle shack wine. I easily lifted the top strand of the barbed wire and crawled through the fence, not even ripping the inseam of my Levi's, a master. The horse, a pretty paint, nickered curiously. He stood still while I inexplicably hoisted myself onto his back. There had been a day when I could leap up onto a 16-hand horse in multiple fashions, the one-legged toss, the hop-to-flop, and the main grab curl, as I called these moves, but those days were gone. Where I got the strength to mount this horse without a leg up, I'll never know. Giddy up, I clucked, and the horse obeyed. I gave him a gentle nudge with my heels, and we were off, cantering through the pasture. I felt like a giant, like a wonder woman, like a true Indian princess, riding around on a pretty paint hoist, horse, 
with no saddle, no bridle, just the wind in my hair. We made several wide circles through the pasture, swooping around the big old water oak, swerving precariously close to a tin water trough. Using only my legs, I guided the horse back to the fence where Janie, Husky, and Sarah stood drinking from yet another bottle of wine, laughing and shaking their heads. You're going to hurt tomorrow, old girl, Janie said. Nah, I said, sliding off the horse and giving a slap on the rump, which sent him on his way. It's like riding a bike. No time lost. Tell it to your legs, Janie laughed. I woke up the next morning in a world of hurt. I couldn't walk. My thighs were on fire. My head pounded from the wine. My throat burned from the yelling. My pride hurt from dragging my daughter around on a drunken escapade. My arms hurt from the scratches of a million pine needle pricks. I hurt like a hundred hells all up and down my body. But when my muddy mind drifted back to riding that horse, I felt strong like a mountain, strong like the tide, strong like a world of wonders. Oh, that's wonderful. The end. And that is a true story. And I have a photograph of Husky coming out of the ramshackle shack with a bottle of wine in his hand, which I'll somehow manage to incorporate into your visuals. Um, So you were guiding this horse with your knees? I was. And my knees hurt the next day. That's not easy to do, to make the horse stop and go with your knees. <clears throat> well, you can lean. They usually respond to a lean, but you got to hold on really tight with your thighs to lean like that on a little wild paint pony you've never met before in your life. Ramshackle Shack wine gives you all kind of strength. You should try it. <laughs> I don't drink wine. Do you have any Ramshackle gin and tonics? We'll go, to, we'll go check the shack soon and see. Were you ever able to figure out what the wine was made from? Husky could not even remember why he had a million bottles of wine in that shack it was like he just remembered he had stored all this wine in a shack and it was like let's go see if that wine's good yeah let's do that sounds like a good idea (laughs) it probably was 250 proof too (laughs) yeah the next day husky's wife alice wouldn't speak to any of us and when she finally did she said husky came in knee walking drunk Mary has written a book called A Little Devil and Me about Husky, and we've all gone to visit Husky when he was with us, and he is, you talk about a wonder. (laughs) Some of the expressions in this come from him, like a world of wonders, that's his. The book's not about him, it's literally, I transcribed stories that he told, and put them together in semi-logical Well, you know what, you are the stories that you tell. That's right. (laughs) All right, who's next? All right. This is the Abbott and Costello of Keys. It was pouring rain, the kind of rain that makes you grip the steering wheel and squint through the raindrops. My windshield wipers were on high, and still the rain muddled my view. But the pleading had to be filed this day before 4.30 p.m. in Carrollton, Alabama, just west of Tuscaloosa, and I had left Auburn at 1 p.m. Interstate 85 traffic moves steadily, if not more slowly, allowing my travels to be on schedule. There was the usual Montgomery slowdown, but Interstate 65 North was nearly abandoned and I dared to speed up. The more courageous cars zipped by me, splitting troughs of water that flowed back and disappeared. Finally, west of Birmingham, I thought I would make my destination with time to spare. 
What I did not anticipate was that every pulpwood truck in Alabama had been assigned that highway, <laughs> and all were heading toward the Mississippi line. On most days, I would applaud these behemoths for going at a restrained rate of speed. But now, not only was my pace slow to comply with their caution, but wood chips, backsplash, and sidesplash also added to obscure my vision. My fists tightened on their steering wheel, my shoulders corrected every subtle slide of my car, and my neck craned forward to see just a little more clearly. When I reached Carrollton and parked at the pre-Civil War courthouse, my legs took a few moments to remember how to walk. As soon as they did, I sprinted inside to the clerk's office, emerging successful, holding my stamped copy of the document. I drove more casually eastward toward home. The rain had slackened and there were no trucks. By Tuscaloosa, I was stiff, tired, and hungry. Mall lights lit up the darkening sky like a beacon, and I exited to stretch my legs inside and get something to eat. I walked from one end of the building, window shopping as I went. Then I grabbed a sandwich, which I planned to eat on the way home. Outside, the rain had decreased to a fine mist. I began digging through my purse for my keys. Unable to find them, I sat on one of the benches there and dumped my purse contents into my lap. No keys. Hmm. For many years before this time, I had acquired a terrible habit of locking my keys in the car. Distractions and hurrying had me grabbing my purse, papers, files, and everything but my keys as I left the car. Habit had me pushing the lock button. While in annoyance, I only had to call my local police officer for assistance in getting the car, getting into the car. They would arrive promptly with a long metal slack called a Slim Jim, not to be confused with the snack, <laughs> slide the tool before, between the window and the rubber seal and feel around until they would pull some lever within that would open the door. Lacking a Slim Jim, a bent wire coat hanger would sometimes do. Then I would receive a chastisement and a warning that someday their magic may not work. I was chastising myself as I walked back into the mall to get the number for the local police department. This was not a 911 matter. A kind and sympathetic clerk gave me the number, and I called it as I exited the mall again. As I explained my predicament to the dispatcher, I was strolling toward my car. Her words stopped me mid-step. I'm sorry, ma'am. The police department does not unlock cars. You need to call a locksmith. Locksmith, I repeated the word aloud as though I'd never heard it before. Then gathering myself, I asked if she had a number for one. She did. I called A1 Lock and Key, who promised they would be there with the truck out in a few minutes. I waited on my bench, eating my sandwich. Soon, a white-paneled van with the company name in bold red and white and blue letters came slowly cruising through the parking lot and toward the mall entrance. I flagged them down. Seated in the driver's seat was a portly man in a blue shirt with the company name over his breast pocket. The shirt was untucked on one side and had a grease stain just above his bulging middle. In the passenger seat was another man who could have been the reincarnation of a rat. He was slight and had a pointed nose. <laughs> he fidgeted some unknown object as I talked to the driver. I pointed in the direction of my car and described it for them, a white Dodge Caravan with a 43 license plate. My wait was not long. Soon the driver, without his partner, drove back by announcing 
With a grin that the door was unlocked, I asked the price, winced, and asked him to meet me at the car. My checkbook had been safely locked inside. (laughs) I walked through the parked cars to mine and flipped the door handle. Still locked. As I was pondering this... (laughs) The van pulled up behind my car. The partner came scurrying through the parked cars toward the van. This is your car? The driver asked. (laughs) I nodded. Oh, no, he yelped. Bubba, go over there and lock up that car. (laughs) He pointed over a sea of cars. (laughs) Bubba started toward the mistaken car, stopped, and ducked between two vehicles. Oh, no, boss. I think someone is walking toward that one. They bantered back and forth until the boss convinced Bubba who dodged and weaved between parked cars like a commando stealing up on the enemy. I was still giggling when they unlocked my car. As I wrote the check, I thanked them for the prompt service and for the entertainment. (laughs) (laughs) Joanne, you might not have had to write him a check if you told him that you were an attorney. (laughs) (laughs) Out of trouble if they got arrested for breaking and entering that car. (laughs) I had to. I was in stitches. <laughs> that guy, he was. He looked like a little Barney Pie. Did, they, did they open it with a Slim Jim? No, I don't know what they opened it with. I can't remember. That would have been frankly. funny. <laughs> <laughs> I should carry one in my they purse. They stole from their local police department. <laughs> the rest of the story is, ultimately, I had that door open so many times. It did. It would never lock again. <laughs> so oh, I got it, my come up. Protested. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Nowadays, you can hardly lock your keys in your car, so that's great. I can't. I can. And <laughs> have. <laughs> Mine won't let me. It's a talent. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to read a story from childhood for our memoir. The rabbit died, said my mother. I was eavesdropping on my parents' telephone conversation. I was five years old and so curious about the statement. What rabbit? Why did it die? Why was my mother talking about a dead rabbit? What are you talking about, Mama? It's just a phrase, Margie, nothing to worry about. However, I do have some more exciting news to share with you. My mother was excellent at quickly changing the subject. We're going to have a new baby. This was great news, as I longed for a baby brother or sister to play with and to help take care of. What will we name the baby, Mama? Well, if it's a boy, we'll name him after your father, Theodore Russell Benning III. Naming a child after parents was a tradition in my family. I was named after my mother, Loretta Margaret, although they call me Margie, so that name was already taken. What if it's a baby girl, I ask? Well, we'll have to think about a name. Why don't you think of a name for your sister, Margie? Wow, what a privilege to name the baby. I knew what we called members of our family was very important to my parents. When I was younger, I called my parents Loretta and Ted because that's what everybody else called them. I soon learned that these names were not acceptable, especially to my father. I remember the day he said, Margie, or rather Margaret, the name he called me when he was very serious. Margaret, you are the only person in the world that can call me Daddy, and you must call me Daddy, not Ted. You should also call your mother Mama instead of Loretta. I replied, okay, Ted. I mean, okay, Daddy. I love to joke with Ted. Now to think about that name for the new baby sister. My favorite place to think when I wasn't outdoors was to go into the living room of our home and jump up and down on the sofa while looking at myself in the mirror that hung above the sofa. (laughs) 
this behavior was frowned on by my parents, but they often ignored me. So sofa jumping was easy. I also liked to sing as I jumped. One of my favorite songs was Old Susanna. Old Susanna, don't you cry for me, because I come from Alabama with a banjo on my knee. I knew all the verses, like, it rained all night the day I left, the weather was dry, the sun so hot I froze to death, Susanna, don't you cry. I love those contradictory statements that I found so hilarious. <laughs> jump, 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 jump. My mother's maiden name was Siri. Her family was Irish, and every summer I would visit hordes of Siri cousins in Kentucky. It was great fun to spend my summers with so many children. Siri would be a great name for my baby sister. <laughs> okay, there's one good name, I thought, but I have to have two names. Wait, all Susanna. That would be a great name, too. Siri, old Susanna, or <laughs> old Susanna Siri. What a brilliant name. The baby could be called old Susanna Siri Benning. <laughs> I ran to tell my mother the name for the baby will be old Susanna Siri Benning. That sounds like a fine name, my mother said. Let's share this name with your daddy. My parents discussed my baby name and came back with a compromise. Somehow they didn't like the old part. They said, you know, she's a baby. They also thought Suzanne was more contemporary than Susanna. So my sister's name became Suzanne Siri Benning. Um, so that was her name. My sister has always loved her name because it was unique and also the fact that I named her. Unfortunately, several years ago, when Apple came out with their helper voice, they named it Siri. The Apple Siri is not spelled like my sister Siri, which is S-E-R-E-Y, but is pronounced the same. Now my sister's name is uttered by everyone on earth seeking an answer. I'm not sure if my Siri is still pleased with my choice, but that's what I named her, and I'm proud to be her big sister. I love that story, <laughs> too. Margie read that story to us a while ago, and we all had our phones sitting on the table, and <laughs> we started all talking. of a sudden, all the phones were talking to us. You know, Can I help you? Yes. Can I? No, I'm sorry. We don't have anything like that. Susanna, <laughs> do you want me to play that? <laughs> oh, so no. Beware if you're listening to this podcast. Beware anyway. <laughs> yeah, we beware have, anyway. We have infiltrated our own homes. Yes. <laughs> How can you um, infiltrate your own home? I, I find that very interesting. By getting a Siri or a Alexa, Alexa or do, 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 do. A, all of those things that are eavesdropping on us. Margie, I think my favorite part about that is that you had a favorite thinking place yeah. and that it was jumping up and down singing, <laughs> looking at, <laughs> at your, your reflection. In the mirror. Yeah, at the mirror. And singing, like, that's so Ramona Cleary. Wait, Ramona. <laughs> Bezos and Ramona Clear? Uh -huh. Is that their last name? It's so Margie. It's so Margie. <laughs> yeah. She's still doing some of that. <laughs> Wait, Beverly. <laughs> it's not Ramona Cleary. Beverly Cleary wrote the book. Oh, there went our hawk, and it's now sitting on the fence. See the Cooper hawk? I've been watching the squirrels, the and apparently squirrel. the hawk sees them too. We're, we're watching animals out of Gail's window. She has a whole well, we're menagerie. trying to train it to get the squirrels, not the birds. Well, the squirrels could come to my house. Yeah. My dog Lola will get all those squirrels. She's a fierce squirrel hunter as always when we podcast we sit by my well it's not really a bird sanctuary because now we have a cooper hawk i guess it's his feeding grounds but and a cooper hawk is pre presently sitting on our fence waiting for a victim Ta -da, we'll let you know if it gets one marion are you going to read today i will read yes i'll read um 
I couldn't remember what I'd already read on a podcast, so if I'm repeating myself, <laughs> forgive me. They can tune out early. You can tune out early. I bet our readers would have forgotten anyway because they're probably of an age just like we are. I chose to read The Infant Stage from our our book of <laughs> memoirs, and my working title for this is Raised by Wolves, Bays at the Moon. Nice. I was born during a time of fear, the same year the Air Force was born, but not in time to be delivered by an Air Force in an, in an Air Force hospital. Sixty plus years later, Mama still claims that communist doctors tried to kill her in Camp Kilmer's Army Hospital. It was infiltrated, she says, still today affected by the second Red Scare, stirred up by a senator named McCarthy who, like certain politicians still do, made accusations without regard for evidence. Daddy was stationed in New Jersey, the Garden State, when I made my entrance into the world. Mama points out that she didn't see a garden the whole time she lived there. Shortly after returning to their small apartment from the maternity ward, Mama got sick, fainted, and almost dropped me. She managed to fall backwards onto a bed and was conscious enough to hold newborn me between her knees so that I didn't hit the floor. Miss Lindner, the German landlady that Mama and Daddy rented their attic apartment from, hearing a thud and a terrified baby crying, rushed upstairs to rescue me and call an ambulance to take Mama back to the Army hospital. She had blood poisoning because the doctor had failed to deliver the placenta after delivering me, only adding to Mama's list of evidence that he was a Russian operative trying to kill her. (laughs) All these years later... I try to tell her that capitalists, not communists, are actually the ones who are killing us slowly. (laughs) Years before compassionate leave was even thought of, Daddy had to report to base every morning while Mama was hospitalized. Family had already returned to Alabama after coming to New Jersey for my arrival. That left Miss Lindner to care for colicky, newborn me. Her solution was to make a crib in a dresser drawer that she placed on the floor. Her faithful German shepherd, Saber, lay beside me and kept watch while meticulous Miss Lindner did her household chores. To this day, I'm far more comfortable in the company of dogs than I am with humans. And when I had a child of my own, my toddler bathed the moon and carried shoes in his teeth as he crawled around the house (laughs) on all fours. He even begged to change his name to Wolf. Imprinting anyone? (laughs) And you didn't change his name to Wolf. I'm so surprised. (laughs) I know. I wanted to. I I bet. I was married at the time. Yeah. I love it. What does that mean? That means there were two of us. Like like dear Abby said, we had to compromise. Oh, so it's John Wolf. It's John John Wolf. That's right. (laughs) I love it. Or is it? David Wolf. David Wolf. Well, it's John Wolf. John so many dogs have historically been the keepers of the babies. Yeah. You know, that's, right. that's just been that's done. Right. And, and boy, howdy, if anybody tries to get near a baby in my house with Petey, my teeny tiny little chi mix, he will take a bite out of you. Well, he'll do that anyway. Yeah, but if there's a baby around. <laughs> I mean, why wait? It's really bad. <laughs> I don't know how it could get much worse than biting a human's oh, yeah. ankle. He's, he'll lean against the grandchildren and guard them. One day I heard Ruby yelling, Petey, quit guarding me. And she was sitting on the <laughs> toilet and Petey was sitting in front of her staring at the bathroom door like, don't anybody come don't in anybody here. Anybody come in quit here. Quit guarding me. <laughs> Well, how 
hope our, our listeners have enjoyed our readings as much as I've enjoyed them. Yeah. Yes, it's been fun. I want to say something before we close. I know we've gone on a bit long. We but still have to talk about our mystic moments. We yeah. do, but I just need to point something out because nobody can actually see us. But those of you that had a Christie doll, do you remember those? They had hair. You could pull the hair out and then you could wind it back up with a thing on their back of their back. Well, Marion is a, is our new Christy doll, and her <laughs> long black hair now comes down to her ankles. And so, <laughs> I don't know if this is, it's just And miraculously is short. And Joanne has twisted the little crank in her back, and her hair is now all back <laughs> up in her head above her shoulders. That sort of explains a lot about Joanne. So our, our Chrissy dolls here are completely mystical in their hair-growing abilities. Well, Mama told me yesterday, she said, you don't know how much better you look when you pull your hair back in a ponytail. Hmm. Women who go around putting their hair over their shoulders. And I said, well, I don't ever go around putting my hair over my shoulders, Mama. Sometimes if I'm working, I bend over and my hair falls over my shoulders. Yeah, but these weather girls, they put theirs over their shoulders. Only one shoulder, though. Only one shoulder. And she said, I just wish they knew how they looked. (laughs) I'm glad you brought that up because I have a pet peeve as well. It's not with hair. It's with the new style of tucking in your shirt in one little place in the front. I think it's called a French tuck. Well, it's stupid. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I, like, I like to wear tunics. And so much I went for detente. <laughs> <laughs> I like to wear tunics, and I went online to find some to wear to Tachi. And all the tunic models, they I, I thought they had hemmed every one of those tunics in the weirdest way possible and didn't order a single one of them. Come to find out, they tucked in a little handful. And I could have ordered any of those tunics. What but if you're wearing this? that out there, you know, call me. We'll talk about taste and clothing. It's called style. It's so people <laughs> won't think they're fat because they like the baggy shirts, but... Yep. You might be fat under there, but if you tuck it in that no, little front thing, everybody can see how tiny you are. Skinny. Yes, but you're not feng shui'd. Well, they don't care about feng shui. They care about style. That's what's wrong with America. Do you think, well, that's no what our grandparents shui. said. Do you think three-inch spike heels that they're walking around in is feng shui? <laughs> well, I, just never have, I never have put a whole lot of stock in style. Yeah, those pop beads never got around my it, neck. It's just you... <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> Agree. Instead of being a fashion horse, I've always called myself fashion free. That's good. Mm-hmm. Fashion, fashion free. free. Uh-huh. Oh, I'll, I'll agree. You mm-hmm. certainly are. If y'all could see my <laughs> earrings that I'm wearing, they're Florence flasks, which I think is kind of fashionable. Yeah, I, I love those. those. I love right. those. And, yeah. and my earrings that I'm wearing are just the most wonderful earrings. Well, ever. have have Wolves. we ever had a mystic moment in this conversation no. yet? No, I, th- I, I, I have one. Okay, I, I think we all do, Margie. Okay. So we're proud that you remembered you had I one. I do, I do. <laughs> My granddaughter, Maggie, made a TikTok with me this week that Ooh. I'll have to show y'all. She had spent the night with us because they locked the students out of their dorms for spring break, and she had no place to go. That so, is wild. So I'd gotten up, and she goes like, let's do a TikTok before I go to Panama City with my boyfriend. And I said, okay. So she, she I said, don't film me. So immediately she did. And i just gotten up, so I looked like hell. And then she went around our house and just photographed all these little vignettes of all my paintings and stuff. Nice. And she started it by saying, oh, she said, and I'm calling this Grandma Margie. She said, Grandmas are trending. 
And then she said, "Yeah, grandma's, that. grandmas are really trending. <laughs> the and ones th- that can't get up. And then she said. <laughs> falling down. <laughs> and then she said, the, the voice, and I'll show it to y'all afterwards, but it says, my grandma's art makes so much sense. And then she shows all these like <laughs> insane dolls and little fragments of stuff. And then I have a big self-portrait in my living room. And she said, and this is her self-portrait. And she shows the self-portrait. And then I'm standing beside it looking addled. <laughs> I love it. I, can't, I might have to get myself a TikTok account just to and watch you and Gail. I know. So anyway, so she... um. I, I was telling her dad that she had done this, and he said, they love to make fun of us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's all they do. Well, that's what happened yesterday with my adult bib, which is a great invention, and I think it's going to be on that channel where you can call in and order those tacky rings in my adult bib. What is that called? Home Channel, Home, home shopping, shopping Network. Home, home Shopping, shopping Network. I'm going to be it. on the Home Shopping Network. Oh, my mystic moment. Joanne lost her mind last week, more so than usual. And last weekend, I was on retreat with 81 teenagers. Mm. Why? <laughs> Why would one do this? It's, you know, it's Lent. You have to have <laughs> it's Lent. She gave up sanity for Lent. Penance, you know, it's all penance. But they were good for the most part. But as I, but nobody slept. You know, teen, they were all off on their my group was off on their own for the first time in their lives at 15 and 16 and so nobody slept and when I got up on Saturday morning I thought I'm going home, I don't care who chaperones I'm going home, but we were at Lake Martin at um, Children's Harbor and I stumbled out onto the back porch and there was the most glorious sunrise coming up over the lake Oh, so you stayed. I did. And did your Lenten duty. And I found out, because all of my children were Latinos, um, I found out the word for sunrise, amanecer. Say what again? Amanecer. Ah. Pretty. Ah. Well, <clears throat> I have a mystic moment, and it's sort of like my one where my, mother, my sister-in-law's voice came through the one of the... Uh, either Alexa or the phone in the house. But this was, uh, this is the week that you can order your four COVID tests from covidtest.gov. And so I got on my computer and I typed in my name, my address, and my email. And then the next thing, it was check a box if your mailing address is the same. So I checked the box and I hit send and as it was going away, the name in the check box was our friend poet from Opelika, who's a guy. It was his name in the in the box. No, I have no idea. It was a mystic moment. So I'm getting these four COVID tests because they send them to our address, but I've had to explain to my husband that they're coming in another man's name. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Poor Bob. He puts up with so much. I mean, it's inexplicable. <laughs> Your men. <laughs> that is so weird. I, amen. Is it good? Yeah. Wow. Have you told Bill? No, absolutely not. He'll take my four <laughs> tests away. That's he can get his own four tests. <laughs> He'll just type in Gail. Yeah, but you know, I, all I did was check saying yeah. his address. And That's then weird. I had wow. sent, and I probably would have seen it if I wasn't so confident, you mm-hmm. know, that it had refilled in my address and his name. He's That's not going to be able to order his four, I don't think. Well, <laughs> maybe, because he has a different address. That's, That's how right. they do it. He will. Yeah, he can go as William. 
many and varied, and I'm not even sure they're mystic, but they made me happy. And one is that I was, Margie sent me a, a text message last week with the piece that she was putting in the new show at Jan Dempsey on found objects. And that's, a, that's an art gallery. And I, that's, that's an art gallery here in town. And I wrote back and said, your work is beautiful. Why didn't I know about that show? This is my thing. And Margie said, I said, when's the deadline? And she said, well, it was today. And I hurriedly did this and got it ready by the deadline. And it was great. And so I told John David, my son, because he too, like me, loves to go through storing, loves to go to estate sales, loves to find stuff and make something out of it. Well, he contacted the Jan Dempsey Center and told them all of that and said, how were we supposed to know about this show? And they said, oh, we've extended the deadline. Go ahead. So... John David, he, he is encouraging me now to go back into photography and other kinds of art. So he said, I, I want to enter it, and I want you to enter it too. So I did. Thanks to Margie, I put something together. But my mystic moment is John David went back to his house that night to work on his piece that he was going to enter. And when he walked into my kitchen the next day, he had made... He had gotten all these bags of shells over the years at different estate sales. He had made a sailor's valentine, and it's about this big. And I, it was just this moment when I looked at this sailor's valentine my son had made was just, oh. it was just beautiful yeah, to me. it is beautiful. It wasn't erotica, was it? No, it's not erotica. It's not at all. Because some of the sailor's valentines but are very when, erotic. Well, this one was not. And so, because I was going to go to the show. Well, the show we we went by the show this morning after I got the sticky croissant all over me, and um, John <laughs> David's has been chipped a little bit because the shells were very fragile. But it's still a nice piece. But it was it, my mystic moment. Is it's such an honor to be in an art show with Margie and yeah. myself? Yeah, yeah, that's fabulous. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll share the photos of the pieces with y'all. Yeah, and, and we can put them on. I'm looking well, for them. How's our time there? Uh, we've been on this forever. Like an hour and 20 minutes. Well, you're, you're going to have some stuff to edit. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> we may have to put this one in podcast A and podcast B. Well, I want all you girls to remember one thing. What's that? Be the flame. Not, Not the, the moth. moth.